0: Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation, and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, ManagingMiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here today with Julie, who miscarried at five weeks and wants to share a number of things that she's learned, including having to defend her right to grieve after such an early miscarriage, which is something that a lot of the listeners talk about and feel. So I'm excited to have you today, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. So why don't you get started and just tell us about that miscarriage?
1: Yeah, so um it's still very new for me. Um I miss I we found out that we were pregnant on January twenty fifth, so Tuesdays after my 36th birthday, which was super exciting. We had just started trying, so we felt extremely lucky because all of my friends have been trying for a while and have had a number of fertility issues. So we kind of just felt like this was this miraculous thing. Um, And I've listened to a lot of the podcasts that um, you've done and um, keep relating to what people have said about seeing the word pregnant and immediately becoming parents um, because that's how we felt.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, So we were completely ecstatic, ended up seeing my parents that weekend. They live in DC and we're in Philly and so we don't see them you know, as often as we'd like and ended up telling them because I was already feeling quite nauseous and tired and I could, was noticeably off and they were so excited. We, they toasted to the next generation. Um, yeah. And ended up telling, um, my husband's family and, you know, they were just overjoyed as mom cried on the phone with us. It was just really, really amazing. Um, and my doctor, um, you know, recommended continuing to do HCG tests, and I, I'm guessing it's probably because of my age um, that she wanted to kind of continue doing them. So the the first uh, couple ones did double, and then um, the one on February 2nd didn't quite double. So I guess that was about about two weeks after. Um, so that was the. The Friday before the Super Bowl weekend, um, and in Philly it was quite a big deal. Yes, um, definitely. And so you know, all she kind of left me with for the weekend was your, you know, your hCG levels didn't quite double. Um, you know, we'll test again on Monday. It might be nothing, but it might be an ectopic pregnancy, and it might be a miscarriage. Um, so. You know, that entire weekend, I kind of spent on WebMD. um, Of
0: course. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Going through every possible case scenario. Um, My husband is an amazing optimist and just kept reassuring me that everything was going to be okay. And so, you know, I was kind of almost watching myself from a distance being like, oh, you're freaking out about this. But, you know, it'll be okay. Um, And I was hoping to, like, you know, be able to laugh at myself later. Um. On Monday, February 5th, um, I woke up with this really bad cramping and messaged my doctor. And we also had another blood test that morning and she ordered me an ultrasound. And on the way to the ultrasound in the afternoon, we got the the tests back and, um, you know, they always came straight to me. So I always had the news before my husband and had to tell him what was going on. So he said, well, let me look at it because we're together And he looked at it and just froze. Um, And it turned out that my HCG levels had halved. Um, So, of course, we walked into the ultrasound room and we were just sobbing and I was sobbing. (laughs) Um, And to make matters worse, it was, you know, it was it was it was part of the whole um, hospital you know, it was, it was another branch of the same hospital, but they didn't understand why I was there and why my doctor had ordered a miscarriage. I'm sorry, had ordered a ultrasound because it was only five and a half weeks. They kept being like, well, what are we supposed to do? And I was like, I'm miscarrying. They think it might be an ectopic pregnancy. That's why they need to check and just having to explain it. um, Oh,
0: that makes it so much more difficult.
1: It's really hard. Yeah. Um, so finally, they said that they couldn't see anything. And based on the HGG levels, you know, it was, they thought it was a chemical pregnancy. Um, and, you know, in that time, and this is why I, I kind of said that, you know, I I had to defend my right to grieve because it was so early is because, you know, we really felt like we were parents from the beginning, we started thinking about names, we had mentally rearranged all the furniture in our house, we started talking to the baby, both of us, my husband and I, and um, it really felt like a baby. Um, there's this really amazing article and I'm blanking about who, oh, Peggy um, Orenstein writes about mourning my miscarriage. I think she wrote about it in 2002, but it's one of the first articles that came up when I was Googling. And um, she wrote about this idea of revoked personhood Um, and that really struck me because, you know, all of a sudden we were toasting to the next generation and my parents were talking about having grandchildren. But then when this happened, it just felt like, well, you know, this happens and you'll need to try again. And it just kind of, for me, negated the fact that we had actually lost our baby. Right. Um, which was, you know, just, just really kind of hard on top of everything, um, and that, that was on Monday when we found out that the pregnancy was not viable. And then I didn't um, start passing the baby until Thursday. Um, so I, I bled from Thursday, um, the 8th of February, until the following thir- Tuesday, which was the 13th. Um, and I know that people talk about chemical pregnancies and how it felt so trivializing to hear, well... You know, some people don't even realize that this has happened to them because it just feels like a missed period. But to me, I just couldn't see how that could happen because, in my experience, it was not just blood; it was tissue. It was it felt like my baby was coming out of me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was it was just really brutal. And meanwhile, people were already talking to me about trying again. Oh. Um, <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> and I was still pregnant and miscarrying. Yes.
0: and the hormones are still there, even even after everything passes. I mean, it takes weeks for those hormones to normalize. You're still, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was fast for those comments.
1: Yeah, and I, I know people were trying to be supportive, and that that's I think that that's what people feel comfortable about is kind of giving hope that it will, you know, that that, that this will that this will work in the future. And I I get that that's people's comfort zones. Did anyone
0: say anything that was helpful or what would have been helpful for them to say? Because I, that is somewhere that I want to go in the future. We have a lot to do right now with a nonprofit, but to create more awareness for people on how to handle
1: it. Yeah. I think the best things that people said to me were just, I hear you. Um, I can't even imagine such a loss. You have every right to grieve it wasn't necessarily groundbreaking or earth shattering, but just kind of validating where I was. They yes. didn't have to, you know, I didn't need to hear that it would be okay. Cause I have no idea if it will be okay. <laughs> right. And I, it's not okay right now. And that's no. okay. <laughs> no, but just having people say that and, and has been really, really helpful. Um, I almost, you know, because you get connected to other people who have had, miscarriages, which is so helpful. And some of those people had had miscarriages at 13 weeks or at 23 weeks. Um, And I can't even imagine that pain. It just, though, at the same time, made me feel like this was kind of like, well, this is the best case of the miscarriages. It passed very quickly, my HCG levels were down to normal by the the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the 14th, you know, so like, a week and a half afterwards, my they had traced my HCG levels back to zero um, or below five. And so, it, you know, on the one hand, you feel so lucky because um, it's incredibly lucky. But then it's just kind of like, how do you justify your right to grieve when you have been so lucky? Right.
0: Right. Um, which is, which how- is a
1: hard place to be.
0: Yeah, it is a hard place to be. I want to know more uh, about this defending your right to grieve. So what what circumstances brought up that emotion in you? Things people said or things that were going on in your life? You know, what was the external factor that
1: started pushing on that internal feeling? Yeah. I think it was just the conversation about people kept talking to me about, you know, well, you got pregnant this was an amazing thing that you got pregnant and here are all the stories that i have about people conceiving again you know and and carrying healthy babies which which was helpful to some extent it just i i too kept soon. saying it was too soon yeah um and you know when i would mention that we were still really grieving the loss of our baby that was really hard for people to understand um they were, you know, I thought some people said, well, like that's why people, you know, say not to get connected too quickly. And um it just it felt like they were just kind of trying to skip over um, what I was going through. And in a sense, I too was almost trying to skip over it because I, you know, I was physically okay. My doctor said, Okay, well, you know, you count this as your period and now you can try again if you want. And it just felt like, okay, so so what do what do you know? Kind of what do I do right now? Um, and I realized that i I needed to do something to hold space for the baby that we lost. And in this um, in this article that I mentioned, mourning my miscarriage, um, the author talks about the the Japanese ceremonies and the I think it's chizo statues, um, and it became really apparent that actually the Japanese have really great practices for both mourning miscarriages and abortions, um, which was really interesting to me. Um, and actually a really good friend of mine who had to make a very difficult decision to have an abortion and at the same time really saw it as a baby, um, you know, it was just really difficult, really difficult for her, talked to me about, you know, actually very gently suggested, you know, did I want to do some kind of ceremony um, to honor the baby and to say goodbye? Um, And until she said that, I didn't really realize that it's what I really needed. Um, And so, you know, I I think that one of the reasons that this has been so hard for me is that I I don't really have a very strong faith practice. I don't have a very strong spiritual practice. And so making up a ceremony sounded, you know, it, it was kind of felt a little silly to me, but I um, had this image of uh, standing by the water and saying goodbye. And um, so what I ended up doing is I um, wrote a letter to to the baby I had felt like it was a boy. So I wrote a letter to, um, the son that we lost and read it out loud by the river early in the morning and, um, rolled it up and put it in the bottle and, um, kind of floated the bottle out, um, into the Delaware river, (laughs) but it felt, you know, kind of like I was sending this bottle out to sea and then spread wildflower seeds around the park. Um, and, uh, It did feel like a little bit lighter afterwards. It did feel like it had made some kind of effect. It it did feel like I had some, some kind of closure.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's beautiful yeah it was it was it was really it was really helpful to do something because i I felt like all I was doing is getting really angry with friends over text and <laughs> um, you know, just saying, you know you don't get it this is this is you know this is not I think also so many of my friends have gone through infertility struggles and and so I get that they were trying to connect on that level. and my point was that I mean I might. Unfortunately I might be able I might be starting an infertility struggle, but i I had a you know a, a, I wouldn't pretend to understand the infertility struggle right now because I got pregnant miraculously after two months and it was taken away it was It was a different experience for me than trying continuously and not getting pregnant.
0: It is a very different both, experience yeah and they get lumped
1: together mm-hmm. yeah, and both very painful and both very hard to you know understand if you are not in that person's shoes. Yeah, absolutely. So where are
0: you at today? Talk to me about how you're feeling today. Obviously you said physically recovered.
1: Well, physically I recovered really well. Okay. Um, so it's been a month since, well, a month tomorrow since we found out that the pregnancy wasn't viable. And I guess, uh, it'll be three weeks on Wednesday or Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, wait, I'm not sure. Three weeks, maybe a, mu- a week. We're about a couple weeks removed from the end of the miscarriage, um, and it's really it's really day by day right now. Um, I um, I have two close friends who are pregnant right now, um, and I um, it's it's been extremely hard to celebrate them and then also honor my grief at the same time. Um, But I was actually able to, to go to New York this past weekend and help my friend who is pregnant with twins, which is amazing. um, 23 weeks, help her plan her baby shower. And that felt like a really big milestone to me um, to kind of be able to help her put together a registry and, and, you know, put together a guest list and figure out what she wanted to do. Um, And what I really appreciated um, about her is that she really understood where I was coming from and she, you know, accepted the help. And then we had a, a really great conversation today as I was leaving and she, you know, hugged me and cried with me for my loss. And so it was really great to have that support and be also be able to support her
0: so amazing that's a beautiful friendship i'm really lucky
1: to have her yes yes wow so i yeah i don't know i mean i i am very much still still in it i think absolutely um emotionally yeah and i'm just trying not to put pressure on myself to to be any certain way right now i think i thought well i should just be over it by now like it's it's been about a month I should, you know, it was only five weeks. People go through so much worse. And I think that I've let go of that now.
0: Good. Yes. No time constraint. No time Definitely. constraint. Definitely. What helped you the most in this? I mean, it's again, it's only been a month. What helped you the most? Or what are the top two things that helped you the most?
1: Yeah. Um, I think what's really helped me, um, writing has helped a lot. Um, just kind of writing out how I feel and, and especially the ceremony, obviously, writing a beautiful
0: letter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It really helped. I've always kind of expressed myself in writing and, and this has been no exception. It's even if it's just very raw and, and writing that I will never share with anybody, it was, it was really helpful Um, I think also having to to defend my right to grieve made me really want to be on this podcast and share my story. And I'm anticipating that this will be really helpful as well. It feels really good to have, um, a safe space created to, to share this. Um, and I kind of needed to kind of just tell it to someone start to finish. Um, yeah. And I feel like I've just been telling it to people in bits and pieces and then, absorbing whatever baggage they had kind of reflected back at me and you know it's it's really hard I've always been the kind of person who has depended on um, a very wide group of friends and I think I've learned who I can really depend on right now and and who it's just really hard to depend on not for any fault of their own because they're going through their own stuff right now it's a time and place yeah absolutely um and (laughs) this is not a plug but the um the the texting hotline that you've created with the managing miscarriage um, organization has really helped me because I haven't been able, it's been really hard to find people who have experienced this, that I can connect to that, that have kind of struck this balance. I did join a few Facebook groups after right afterwards and everybody in there had been trying to conceive for years and it had had, numerous miscarriages and I feel so much for them. And at the same time, it was exactly what I did not need. Oh, Um, interesting. Just because it felt, it made me think of the future and, you know, more fear
0: that it introduces more more fear.
1: fear. Sure. Sure. It was really hard for me to, to be hopeful in that environment. Um, But talking to people who have experienced this, um, I found for me, and this might sound selfish, but it's been really helpful talking to people who have experienced this and who now have healthy babies because it gives me something to hold on to. I
0: was the same way. That was really healing for me and helped me get a little glimpse of light when it was really dark. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing your story today. Really appreciate it. And as you know, this is going to help the thousands of people who listen to this podcast for years to come. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.